Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Conquest and Defeat series, which walks through the book of 2 Samuel, discovering life's journey of grace, mercy, and faith. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, how many of you remember playing dodgeball growing up? How you remember playing it? Um, how many of you have ever, uh, you grew up, you grew up around snow, you grew up around snow and you actually did snowball fights. <clears throat> how many of you were good at snowball fights? Anybody good at snowball fights? So we grew up, I grew up in Colorado and I, I kind of pride myself in being good at snowball fights because of one technique, the technique of distraction. <clears throat> if we're having a snowball fight, my, my tactic is probably going to be the tactic that some people's was in, in dodgeball. If we're having a snowball fight, my tactic is this. <clears throat> you throw one up, get them to look, and then you just let them have it. You know, the old, te- the old thing about dodgeball was even though you dodged one ball, another one might be coming straight for your face. <laughs> right? Even though you dodge one, another ball might be coming right at you. Tonight we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter number 5, and I want us to see a a principle. And the principle is this, that even though God worked once, he still wants to work again. Even though God showed up once, he still wants to show up again. And we're going to see it in 2 Samuel chapter number 5, and so if you would, why don't you take your Bible and stand. Let's go to 2 Samuel 5, and um, really we're going to learn three or four truths tonight. Um, just about the fact that even though God works, there's still some things that we need to remember. There's still some things that need to take place in our life. And so 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12. We ended here two weeks ago. And of course, last week was our night of music and we were in Philippians 2. So tonight we jump back in here. 2 Samuel 5, verse number 12. And David, he perceived, he perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. And that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. And there were yet sons and daughters born to David. And these be the names of those that were born unto him in Jerusalem. Shemua and Shobab and Nathan and Solomon. Ibhar also and Elishua. Nepheg and Japhiai. Elishama and Eliada. Eliphalet. And Eliphalet. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of the therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. And there and there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, 
But fetch a compass behind them and come up upon them over against the mulberry trees and let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. It's an interesting place in uh, <clears throat> in our study here in the life of David. Of course, if you've been with us on the journey, then you'll recall that after nearly 20 years of waiting, after nearly 20 years from the very first time that he was anointed king by Samuel, for the very first time in two weeks ago, David assumed the throne. Now, seven years ago, you'll remember that seven years ago, he became the king over Judah, the king over the southern kingdom. But for the last seven years and for the 13 years leading up to that, David was never king. But now, finally, finally, David's king. 20 years of waiting, 20 years of, of, of running. If you, of course, you remember the story where he got anointed maybe at the age of 17 years old for two or three years. He was a, a general in the army of Saul. For 10 years, he ran for his life from Saul for seven years as king of Judah. And now here we are 20 years later. It's almost as if that you could, you could imagine David. Verse number 12, it says that he perceived that God had finally brought things to pass. So putting ourselves in the place of David, I can imagine David going, finally, man, finally, finally, God showed up. Finally, things worked out. And you could almost imagine that David would say, finally, I can just rest. But the fact is that even though God worked to get David to this point, God was still going to work. And there were still some lessons that David needed to learn and some things that he needed to understand right as he established his kingdom. And tonight we're going to be challenged with this fact that even though, even though God moves in your life today, there are some things that you and I still desire for God to move in our lives tomorrow. Even though God works on a Monday, we want him to work on a Tuesday. And so tonight, we're going to look in this, and I believe this will be a help to us. And so let's pray, and let's ask God to work in our lives together. Dear Lord, I just want to come before you, and Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your love and your care. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you continue to provide for us and work in our lives. And I do want to echo the praise of Brian from this morning, praise you for how you worked in lives, and the one that trusted you as Savior, and the other decisions that were made. And Lord, I just want to thank you that you work in spite of us, and we want to come before you tonight, and God, we want to pray that you'd help us, pray that you'd work in our lives, pray that you'd use your word to, uh, to shape our faith for this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we stated, after all these years, God finally came, came through for David. Finally, David is king as as he was promised. But I want you to notice with me tonight some truths that David needed to know and some truths that you and I need to know and remember, even though God works. I want us to see, first of all, tonight that even though, even though God works, I still need him in every decision. Even though God works, I still need him in every decision. When we come to our passage, we read again that David is king. But I want you to notice that when David becomes king, his heart does not become inflated with pride. Right at first, now we know that David was not a perfect man. We'll see that even tonight. 
But David's heart was not lifted up with pride. No, he realizes what has taken place. He realizes that he is in this position because of the working hand of God. Verse number 12, we, we spent some time on it two weeks ago. But it says this, that David, he, he perceived. Man, he knew, he realized that the Lord had established him king over the Israel, over Israel, and that he, God, had exalted his kingdom for his people, Israel's sake. Remember, we learned two weeks ago that David, he came into this realizing, man, God has worked. God brought me to this point, and God brought me to this point to help his people for Israel's sake. David was not lifted up in pride. He perceived, he realized, God, you did this, and he was not exalted with pride. And when it came time for David's next major decision in the, in the um, order of events, notice what David did. Verse number 19. We just read it a moment ago, but verse number 19, it says, David inquired of the Lord. Well, what was the inquiring of the Lord about? Well, the Philistines showed up. Remember two weeks ago, we looked at how David took Jerusalem from the Jebusites, and we, we watched that video of the, the way that Joab perhaps went in through the, um, through the tunnels that go underneath the old, um, the old kingdom, the old the castle there, and we kind of showed you some pictures from a trip that we did in Israel there, and you can go through what an incredible story. David got, got done defeating the Jebusites. Now he's king. The Philistines hear about it, and they come to attack. You know what David does? He just goes to God in prayer. I love the humility of David in that. You can go to 1 Chronicles chapter number 14 and you can read about this war that takes place right after David becomes king. It's verses eight down through verse number 17, I think, or something like that. Yeah, verse eight through 17. And you know what David does is he just, he just prays, hey God, what's your plan in this? Hey God, what's your will in this? When you look at the passage, we find that the Philistines, they, they get defeated. We'll, we'll kind of see all of this in depth in just a minute. But they're defeated. They, they, they leave. But then verse 22 tells us that they come back. The enemy's back again. And what does David do? Notice verse 23. He inquired of the Lord. When David inquired of the Lord again, the enemies come back and David, he goes to the Lord again. And God, hey, they're here again. God, what do you want me to do now? You know, David is learning. David's learning, I have not arrived. David is learning that I am never strong and I need God in on every single decision. This time, of course, the first time that David prayed, God said, yeah, go up and attack him. The second time, God says, no, don't, don't go right up and attack him. No, I want you to go around to the backside. When you hear uh, the, the wind come across those mulberry bushes, when you hear the wind come across those, that's when you know that I've set it up, and that's when you can go. I want you to, I want you to catch them by surprise. I want you to go back to the flank. I want you to get them from behind. And David, he follows God's instruction, and sure enough, they find victory. Now, what's the principle that we can walk away with from just this thought tonight? I want us to see that even though God works in one area of your life or in another, that we've got to know that we still need him on every single decision. You know, in this moment, David could have just said, well, I'm king. Like God promised, I'm king. I can handle it from here on out. I'm king. I can handle it from here on out. But we don't see that. We see David still going to God. And then what does God do? God answers. And then the Philistines, I find it interesting that when the Philistines come back the second time, 
I find it interesting that David prayed the second time. Why do you find that interesting, pastor? Because he's already prayed about the issue and God's already answered it. Right? The Philistines came up the first time and God, do you want me to go up and strike them? Yes, go up and get them. If they come up the second time, I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm, I'm probably assuming, well, where it worked the first time. Why not just go up the second time? But David doesn't jump to an assumption. No, David jumps and says, God, they're here back, they're back again. What is it that you want? The principle is this, that even though God can work in your life today, he wants to be involved in your decisions tomorrow. Even though sometimes you make the same decisions. Even though the day might look the same as the day before, the fact of the matter is that God sometimes answers differently the second time than he does the first time. And sometimes you pray about something and God says yes, and other times you'll pray about the same thing and God might say, wait, now is not good timing. But you know what we do is sometimes, sometimes we overstep our position with the Lord and we, we take control of our own life and we say, well, they worked once, I'll just do it the same way again. And the principle I want us to catch tonight is the fact that I need to seek God in every decision. I need, I need him in every decision. And even though God worked yesterday, I still need him and I still need his direction today. But it's the same thing. I'm going and doing the same mundane job. I'm going, I still need his direction today. But I've been a mom or a dad for this many years. I think by now I've got it. No, I still need his direction today. I think as a pastor, Unfortunately, there's times in my life when I might approach a message or a, um, a leadership thing and, and kind of have the mindset of, well, I've been there before. If, if I did the math, and I <clears throat> did a little bit of it yesterday, but this year, this year we will have about 149 services at Moses Lake Baptist Church. And I'm going, I will preach probably, probably about 130 of those services so if you take 130 sermons over the span of having pastored now for 10 years, and many, many uh, years I preach more than 130 sermons, preaching out and different things like that. But let's just say 130, that's how many sermons in 10 years? 1,300, 1,300 sermons. Now, have all of them been good? No, I understand that. But you know what? The truth is that if I'm not careful, if you become familiar with something, they say familiar, familiarity calms. And it's good to become familiar with your material and familiar with your technique and familiar with maybe a leadership style. But they also say that familiarity breeds contempt. And you know what I could do as a pastor, and, and unfortunately there have been times that I've done it, that I just think, oh, I've, I've got it. Oh, I, I, I know the principle. I know that truth. Oh, I... But the fact is, is I need God in preaching just like I need him in everything else. And I need God tonight just like I did this morning. You say, Pastor, why do you bring that up? Because tomorrow you're gonna get up and go to work. And Tuesday you're gonna get up and go to the same job. And Wednesday you're gonna get up and you're gonna see the same people. And you need God on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday just like you did last week. And you'll need him on Friday just like you did on Wednesday. And so I wanna establish this thought tonight that even though God works, you and I, we still need him in every decision. Notice the second thought with me tonight. Even though God works, I still need him in every decision. But also, even though God works, the enemies 
will keep coming. Hey, even though God works, the enemies, they'll keep coming. As David assumes the throne, we find the attacks, really, they're just beginning. Now, for you and I, if you've been in church for any length of time or or read the Bible for any length of time, then you know. You know the stories that lie ahead for David. But David, he wasn't reading a book of history like you and I are. David was living these things out in real time. I imagine that when David, now think about it. Think about the the previous 20 years, and I, I don't have time to recap everything again, but just think with me that for 20 years, David has been fleeing and, and fighting, and David's been uh, making alliances with people who were once Israel's enemies, and David, even, even with the Philistines, remember for a few years, he lived up there uh, with the Philistines for a, about, a, about a year and a half, and everything that took place there. So you can imagine with me that when David finally assumes the throne and becomes king, just defeats the Jebusites, they could probably sit back and think, we're probably done. I'm probably done with war. I mean, the Philistines, they're, they're around us to the north and to the, to the east, but man, they're, they're not coming. I've already, I've already made an alliance with them. All the, those, uh, all the other ites that you read about that are still in the area, I've already defeated all of them. They're, they don't have the courage to try it again. You can imagine David, that's the fans, don't worry. Uh, you can imagine that David could, could step up and could say, you know what, I'm king. I bet you from here on out it's gonna be smooth sailing. But if you go and you look at the timeline, it's probably, probably just a few short months before someone's knocking at the gates of Jerusalem. Well, who's knocking? The Philistines. That's what verse 19 says, right? That David, they finally hear that David is the king. And what do they do? They say, hey, let's go get David. Let's go get him. Let's go attack. You read in verse 17 and 18, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed a king over Israel, they came up to seek David. When David heard of it, he went down to the hold. He went uh, to his private place. And the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. You know what, David, he's just come from that victory, and now he faces another enemy. Well, the story says that he seeks God. He follows God's instruction. God, should I, should I go up against them? God says, yes. He goes up against them. They leave and he could probably think, well, they're not coming back. I mean, we really, just, we really just annihilated them. We took care of them. But verse number 22 says that the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Here they are back again. Can I say tonight that the principle is this, that even though God worked and gave victory yesterday, the enemy will be back today. Even though God gave you victory yesterday, the enemy will be back today. Even though God gave you victory this morning, the enemy, the enemy is coming back tonight. And I think sometimes that as, as believers, that we think, often we can think that we've found success in our walk with God and, and we've kind of arrived. And so, you know, the, the devil's not, he's not going to come after me. And we have this attitude, this, this attitude almost of bring it, Satan, You know, bring it. I've seen people post that. You know, the devil's been all after me. Bring it, Satan. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to, 
I don't want to, you know, try to go face to face with the devil. Because the Bible doesn't say greater is Dennis because of the, my power over the devil. It says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The only person who should be saying bring it to Satan is God. And you and I, we're supposed to come under the wings of the Almighty. I just say tonight that <clears throat> when the enemy attacks and God gives us a victory, don't become arrogant in that victory. Recognize that the enemy's coming back again. I say this often here at church, but we really need to be reminded of it, that we really do face an enemy who's a roaring lion that walks about seeking whom he may devour. And the devil hates you. And he hates your family. And he hates your kids. And the devil hates your faithfulness. The devil hates your, your attendance to the word of God. The devil hates it when you pray. The devil hates it when you dig into the word of God to get to know him. <clears throat> the devil, he hates your God. And he is going to attack and attack and attack and attack and attack. He's relentless. He's coming back. And the fact is, he's coming back until the day you die. The devil is going to keep coming. So what's the principle we learn? It's that even though God worked yesterday and maybe gave you victory, don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. No, lean into him for every decision. Lean into God for every decision. Why? Because the devil's coming back today. And I need God in on this. We see tonight that even though God works, I still need him in every decision. Secondly, even though God works, the enemy, he will keep coming. Thirdly, tonight, even though God works, I want, you to, I want to point out this thought, that God will continue to conquer for his glory. God will continue. He's going to continue to give victory for his glory. I want us to see a quick theme following a couple of David's victories. Look, if you will, at verse number 20. It says, and David came to Baal Perazim, and he smote them there and said, the Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. Verse number 21, the Bible says that the Philistines, they left their images. They had all of these little trinkets. Um, we would compare it to like little rabbit's feet and different things like that. Good luck charms. They left these idols that they would worship and bow to. They left all of them there. And what did David do? David and his men, they burned them. What, what's the statement that David was making when they're burning them? David's making the statement, hey, we serve one God alone. Hey, we worship one God alone. We will not have any false gods before him. Verse number 24 and 25. This is the second time the Philistines come back. We read this, and let it be when thou hearest the, uh, the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so the Lord, as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. When you look, if you go back to verse number uh, 24, when it says the Lord is speaking to him, he says, hey, when you hear the, the wind come over the mulberry trees, then you'll know. You'll know that the Lord is ready to go before you into battle. 
You know, a principle that David was beginning to understand that I think you can go and you can find it, a, you can find it to be a consistent truth that David continually came back to was I am not fighting my battle. I am not fighting my battles. God is the one who's gonna give me victory. I just keep following God's plan and God keeps conquering for his glory. I think a great verse to highlight this is 2 Chronicles chapter 12, or excuse me, excuse me, chapter number 16 and verse number nine, where the word of God says this, that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he looking for? To show himself strong, in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. You know what God was saying to the people of Israel? He's saying, hey, I, I just want somebody. I'm looking for somebody that I can work through to show how strong I am. I'm looking for somebody that I can work through who's gonna give the glory to me. <clears throat> we all know and we're going to see this. We're, I stated it a second ago. We're going to see uh, David's humanity in just a minute. But I believe that one of the reasons that David is titled as a man after God's own heart is because David continually came back to the place where he said, God, verse number 12, I perceive that this is all you. God, you are the one who is doing this. God, I give you glory for you have worked. You go to the Psalms that David wrote many times David wrote the psalm saying, hey, he is the one that delivereth. Hey, he is the one that restores. Hey, he is the one that gives victory. And the principle that we look at is the same principle that was mentioned a couple weeks ago in our study in Nehemiah on Sunday morning. It was on our anniversary Sunday. That even though God has already given you one victory, don't, keep move, don't, don't quit moving forward. Don't quit moving forward. Because you never know what victory is right around the corner. You never know the next victory that God might have. And even though God gave you a victory today, you don't know what victory he has in store tomorrow. So keep seeking him. Don't let your guard down. And know that he's looking for somebody that he can show himself strong in. God will conquer. He will conquer for his glory. I see tonight that even though God worked, I still need him in every decision. The enemy will keep coming. God will continue to conquer for his glory. But lastly tonight, and I hope you don't miss this, the fact is, or the point is this, that even though God worked, I must remember that no one is exempt. No one is exempt. I want you to look with me at verse number 13. From verse 13 to verse number 16, is almost a parenthesis. This is something that the writer would write about that took place years later. Over the course of the next few years, here's some choices David made. And notice what it says. That David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from Hebron. So remember, he was king of Judah, that southern kingdom in Hebron, then he became king over all of Israel. And yes, he sought God in the decisions on war. And yes, he knew the enemies were coming back. And yes, he knew that God wanted the glory. But there's a little seed that he allowed in his life. A little seed and some poor decisions after he came back. And then it says all of the sons and daughters that were born unto him. But the seed decision that he made after he was established king as he took unto him 
more wives and more concubines. You know what David did here? He knowingly and blatantly, he does the cultural thing. What was the cultural thing? The cultural thing was your king. You can have wives and concubines all you want. Your king. You can have whoever you want. And David blatantly did this knowing what God had said. You see, God had said specifically to kings, Deuteronomy 17, 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. You know what David knew? David knew the principle. David knew the principle of, hey, even though you're king, even though you're king, sin can still destroy your life. David sowed the seeds in his heart so that when it came When it came years later to a Bathsheba one day, David thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, it's only only one more. And we all know the story of David and Bathsheba, and we know the story of, of the prophet that came in and told the story of the man with one sheep and the one who took it, and David, uh, David unknowingly, just unwittingly, didn't even didn't even cross his mind. David says, well, kill him. Take out that man who took the one sheep. And that prophet puts his finger in that king's face and says, thou art the man. Then it clicked. Then it clicked. Hey, no one is exempt. His demise started through a seed of, well, it won't affect me. Well, I'll, I'll be the exception. I'll, I'll be the exception. My story will be different. My story will be a different outcome. And tonight, may we hear this out, that even though God worked in your life today, it doesn't make you exempt tomorrow. Sin can still get a foothold in your life if you just let it in with one little seed. The old adage, don't give the devil an inch because he'll take a mile. It's so true. And here David knowingly, knowingly, he knew what God wanted. He knew God had said. David knew the the law. You go back over all of the the, uh, previous messages that that David, um, or that I preached, you can go back over David's life and David was quoting it to other people. Hey, have you not read? Hey, did you not know? David knew. And yet in this moment, we find him allowing pride to say, I'll be the exception. Can I give us the encouragement tonight that even though God works, don't have the attitude that you'll be, a, that you'll be the exception, that it won't affect you like it's, affect other, it's affected others. You see, that is the attack of the enemy. He comes back with pride. You know what David's never brought down by? David is never brought down by the Philistine enemies. You can go through the wars. They, they suffered a few, uh, a few battles that they lost, but all along the way, David had his way with the Philistines. All along, all along the way, you can go and study out David's life. Uh, the, the large percentage of the time, David and Israel had victory over that enemy. No, David was brought down by a proud heart that said, it will not affect me. And tonight, you are not exempt. Even though God worked in your life yesterday, 
hey, the enemy's coming back and his tactics are going to change. No one is exempt. Don't allow pride to slip in to tell you that you're the exception. Don't allow pride to slip in and tell you that, well, it won't happen to me like it. No, just, just one little seed. One little seed is all it took for years later, David, to say, meh, not that big of a deal. <clears throat> a few, uh, few years ago, we were, I think it's probably about nine years ago or eight years ago now, it was Robert and Beth's first, first winter here. Of course, Robert, he grew up around snow a little bit, not necessarily in Lancaster, but going snowboarding up in the hills and things. But I remember that first year when we got, we got a good snow that first winter. And I remember calling Rob and I saying, hey, let's go, let's go sledding. He's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, we're gonna take the day off and we're going sledding. And we took the, packed the kids up. And of course, they didn't have Adeline or Weston at the time, but we, we all went sledding over here to Cascade. We had a great time that day. But about halfway through the day, we were, hey, let's have a snowball fight. Let's have a snowball fight. And of course, Everybody here knows Rob. Rob's pretty, he's pretty excited. He's pretty energetic. He's kind of wiry, kind of all over the place. He's flexible, sure. Uh, Rob is like, Rob, Rob is the type that he gives energy drinks energy. Uh, you know, he's just always on the go. And so we were getting out there and Rob just starts making snowballs. And I don't know if you remember, you remember this Rob? Rob's out there making snowballs and he had a pile of like 30 snowballs. You know how many I had? Two. I had two snowballs. <clears throat> and I said, all right, Rob, you ready to have our snowball fight? He's like, yeah. He's got his arm full of snowballs. He's like, I'm ready to go. I said, all right, man, you go over there. And we divvied up the kids, you know, but really it was just going to be me and Rob because the kids were all still young. And I remember I was like, all right, let's go. And Rob's, you know, grabbing his snowballs and he's throwing them at me and I'm just kind of dodging them. And you know what I did? I did the tactic. Yeah, I did the tactic. I went, hey, Rob, and I threw it up like that and he looked up and I just went, bam. And Rob's like, hey, what, man? That's a snowball fight. You know what? In your Christian life and in my Christian life, even though, even though God worked, he gave me victory and I dodged one ball coming at me. I need to know the devil's coming back again. But you know whose help I need? I need God's. And so the principles I want us to walk away with tonight is just these thoughts. That even though God worked today, I'll still seek him in every decision tomorrow. Even though God worked today, Hey, I'm going to stay on guard because the enemy might come back tomorrow. Even though God worked today, I'm going to let him work through me tomorrow because there's still victory waiting. And even though God worked today, I'm going to remember that I'm not exempt. And so I'm not going to allow pride to say, well, it won't affect me. I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight, what victories does God have in store for you? I wonder tonight, what, what ways does, is God wanting to direct your life tomorrow? What other areas is God wanting to, uh, to help you with tomorrow? I wonder what decisions God's going to bring across your path tomorrow. And the principle tonight, the thought, 
that I hope we'd walk away with is, God, just because you worked in my life today, help me to remember that you still want to work in my life tomorrow. And then tomorrow morning, God, just because you worked in my life this morning, help me remember you want to keep working in my life this afternoon. Help me to keep leaning into you for my decisions. Help me to keep standing guard. Help me to keep allowing you to work. Help me to never feel like I'm going to be the exemption, the exception. I like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. And tonight, as we come to a time of invitation, I just want to invite us to respond to the word of God. Maybe you would look and you'd look in your life and you'd say, and lately, lately when God's worked, I've allowed it to give me some pride. Lately, I, man, I have one victory and I think it's all over. Maybe tonight you need to say, God, help me to celebrate the victories but help me to keep seeking you in my decisions. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.